It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in because we are continuing in our study of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, in fact. And over the last couple weeks, we have discussed some of the most breathtaking, awesome topics. The size of the new Jerusalem. How, how big is heaven, right? That That's always the a subject of conversation, especially with new believers. And, and you want to know these things because it really helps us put our eyes on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope and assurance of a future that is secured in him, and not in our efforts, but is in his efforts. And so when we read passages like these, they're they're incredibly encouraging. And maybe you need that right now. Maybe you're going through something, your life is throwing you some challenges. I don't know anybody who's who's not going through something. I, I mean, we, we all have an obstacle we're probably faced with on a day-to-day basis and challenges at home, at work, in some sphere of influence. And so when we read passages like these, it really can help dispel some of that. It can help put all that in proper perspective, that God is is doing something awesome, and victory is already assured in him. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me let me just help you, I don't know, maybe reminisce about this from last week's program as we were talking about Revelation chapter 21. I described to you what is read in the scripture, what we read in the scripture of this giant cube-like city is we can best read the description there of something like 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, all in a cube. It's about 1,500 miles across. And, and this city is so big that you could fit easily 20 billion residents in the New Jerusalem, each with a 250,000 square foot home with 75 acres each. And that would still allow room for a city, still allow room uh, for a street of gold. I, I, it's just unbelievable. It's breathtaking, really, when you put it into, into the scope of our imagination. And I think that's the best that we can do is even with the description that's given to us here of these giant pearly gates that are so big we have to walk through them, pearls that big, and, it, and it's streets with multiple layers of all the gems and, and, and just everything. It's just absolutely breathtaking of the foundation of the New Jerusalem and its street of gold. So absolutely awesome. So let's just get into this. Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 27, we read, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and all the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth Bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we discover five blessed absences in this heaven, in this new city, in this glorious 
uh, New Jerusalem where there is no temple. In fact, that's the first absence that we notice here. There's no sanctuary or temple because God and Jesus are the temple. And this speaks of his ever-present intimacy that with his people, that God is with his people. So we no longer need the temple because we are already worshiping him in, a, in an every existing moment state. So I, I, obviously we're not counting hours and seconds and minutes and so forth anymore. So our very existence, our very breath is all glorifying God. And number two, another thing that we see absent here is there's no sun or moon. God is the light and the lamb is the lamp from verse 23. So God illuminated the camp of Israel. If you recall, go back to Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22. God illuminated the camp of Israel at night with his very presence. And it it appeared to them as a pillar of fire. And then he illuminated the Holy of Holies as well. And he dispels all darkness of all kinds in this city. So the Lamb is the radiance of the Father's glory. Go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. There's no more flashlights, no more changing light bulbs. It it will be with, with Jesus Christ, light and power company. That's what it is. It's the Jesus Christ Light and Power Company. Now, the third thing that we see missing here is there will be no self-glory. This is all the nations and kings will bring the glory and the honor of the nations. Where? Into the new Jerusalem. And, And there will be no reveling in the past successes or greatness because glory will all be given to God. Nothing will outshine this. The best is yet to come. So the identity of these nations and kings is difficult to determine, but we have to remember that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are being elevated to rule over the nations of the earth, elevated to even judge the angels, according to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3. So God is grooming his children to be ready to reign with him, to even sit on Jesus's throne. The, the thought of that is just breathtaking. I, I, I'm speechless to even think of that. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, Paul tells faithful believers that they will reign with Christ. And in Romans 8, 17, also concurs with this. So the, these truths are confirmed in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 to 28, he tells us that he who overcomes and keeps Christ's deeds until the end will be given authority to rule over the nations. And then in Revelation 5, 10, believers will be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So now, in addition to all the crowns that we are to receive, and we've talked about those crowns, let me just remind you of the promises given by Christ that we will receive the overcomers in Revelation chapter 2 to 4. Number one is the right to eat of the tree of life in paradise with God. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, we receive eternal life, immortality, according to verse 11 of chapter 2. We have the right then to eat of the hidden manna. Now, that was in the Holy of Holies. That means intimacy with God. The high priest was only allowed to go into that place during the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Atonement, or the Day of Atonement, rather. Uh, it was a day dedicated of total uh, purification before Almighty God. And the priest was the high priest was only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies during that time. And now he's saying you can eat of the hidden manna, meaning we have access to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. And, and that's from Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. You also receive a white stone. 
in, in chapter seven, two, verse 17. And that most likely concurs with the idea that we understand of their Urim and the Thummim, which was a white stone on the ephod of the high priest, and it represented the acceptance of God. It was a, a light stone and a dark stone. And it's and some of the writings about these stones indicate they may have illuminated when God was giving a confirmation. So the white stone would have illuminated, the dark stone would have illuminated if God was giving a decline, but the white stone illuminated, and that was an acceptance from God. Rather extraordinary. And then we receive a new name, according to verse 17 of chapter 2. We have authority over nations in in verse 26. We have unity with Christ forever, verse 28. We receive a white robe of Revelation chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. We have eternal citizenship in heaven, chapter 3, verse 5. A pillar in the temple. Now, this is the temple that we see most likely is, is, is the temple that we're talking about here is in Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48 in a description of the temple, this massive structure where Jesus Christ will reign from throughout his thousand year reign. And, and we're told that there's a pillar in the temple there where our name will be written upon it. And, and the Lord's new name is then written upon you, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 12 and Revelation 19, 12. And then we also have the right to sit with Christ on his throne, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. So after we have stood before the Lord and received our rewards, Christ then appoints us to the positions of service and and all the responsibilities during his reign all across the globe. And he then calls us a royal priesthood for a reason. As you see, Christ never intended to judge the nations alone. And, and if you want a, a little more detail on the royal priesthood, go to Revelation chapter 2, 3, 5, chapter 20, even First Peter chapter 2. So a, a lot of detail on what it means to be a royal priesthood. But Christ never intended to judge the nations alone. He, he delegates. And this is why he chooses to delegate judgment assignments to these people, his people, you and I. And in fact, as we see in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. So Jesus indicated to his disciples in the parable of the Minas that some are to rule over ten cities, some five, and and others. In fact, let's just read that. Luke chapter 19, verses 17 and 19, we read, And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. So here God is, Jesus is delegating cities to his faithful servants. And that's part of the assignment as a royal priesthood. However, in all of this reference to a reigning authority during the thousand year reign of the millennium, is this only during the millennium? Will there be positions of authority and responsibility on the new earth and in the new Jerusalem? Well, in Revelation 21, 24, there's a mention to kings of the earth. So there appears to be positions of authority. However, the duties of kings on the earth, as we know them today, most likely, is as we often think about kings, the thoughts that run through our mind is that these kings typically on earth deal with ugly politics, war, judgment, negotiations, but none of that is something that kings will face during the reign of, of God the Father on his new earth. And in this new Jerusalem, there's no longer darkness. Satan is already bound up, and all of those who followed him are bound up forever. So, so there is no uh, battle, if you will, between good and evil here. So none of these things that kings have known today will be the things that kings will face then. 
So these kings serve a very different role before God, who is also still ruling regardless of the state of a perfect universe. He will forever reign. So if there are titles of kings, are these kings then ruling over other people? It seems like, well, does that mean that there are going to be individuals who are subject to these kings forever? Well, perhaps these nations that are being ruled are those who gave their lives to Christ during the millennium. This is one perspective. Since there is a great reward to those who were resurrected unto immortality before the millennial reign in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, is it possible that these are the faithful who are then elevated over those who give their life during the millennium? It's possible. So this new earth then is filled with nations of people who were all saved through Jesus Christ, but I believe there's even more. You know, has God, if we really just examine things, has God created living creatures other than humans? Now, I'm not talking about alien life, but we do know that there are 8.7 million species on the earth. And you think, well, well those are animals, uh, different creatures. They're just creatures. They're just animals. Well, we don't have conversations with animals, right? I mean, we don't, we don't dialogue with animals. They're just animals. You know, the earth's covered with them. Well, Eve didn't seem surprised that she was having a conversation with a snake in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. It was a literal serpent, as it was referenced as a beast of the field in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. But the serpent was not acting alone. In fact, in Numbers chapter 22, verses 22 to 33, we see that God uses a donkey to put Balaam in his place. Let's reread that for a moment while I have your attention. Numbers chapter 22, verses 22 to 33. Here's what we read. It says, Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of his way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord was it there, it is, saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. And then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. So God opened the mouth of this donkey, and it doesn't say that the donkey was a puppet, but that God allowed the donkey to speak. 
So don't assume anything with regard to the animals on this new earth. Not only that, we, we see creatures in heaven that are indescribable. We were given description in Ezekiel 1 and 10 of seraphs and cherubs and angels. We go back to our study in Revelation chapter 4 there. And, and we're even given these descriptions of whirling wheels that are covered in eyes and moving with the cherubs. It's amazing. So when you look around the earth, as magnificent as it all is in the creation that is before us from Almighty God, listen to me, you haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. And as a child of God, you're being groomed to rule over it all, just as Adam was given the earth 6,000 years ago. Now, you're not going to do it alone. There are going to be many others. In fact, as we just talked about with the New Jerusalem, it can fit some 20 billion people. So we have all these unborn children children that have died in the womb, children that have died at the hands of abortion. We have people that have given their lives to the Lord over many centuries, thousands of years, various millennia that we see these people have given their lives to the Lord, perhaps 7 billion people there. So we have some 20 billion plus people that may be enjoying this new heaven and new earth with you. So you're not ruling alone, but God is grooming you to rule. And was Adam deserving? No. Are we deserving? No. But when those trials of your current life come, when you're feeling destitute and forgotten, wallowing in sorrows and grief, and believe me, I know it's easy to do, just remember who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a royal priesthood, and you belong to God. He's going to clothe you in royalty, and you will reign with him. And number four is we see that what's missing from this kingdom is there's no sin, Nothing unclean will enter the new Jerusalem. And number five, there are no sinners, only glory and honor, nothing defiling. Now, this verse then warns the reader that the only way to gain entrance into the city is to have one's name recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Now, the late great Bible teacher Vance Hayner once said, there are a lot of questions the Bible doesn't answer about the hereafter. But I think one reason is illustrated by the story of a boy sitting down to a bowl of spinach when there's a chocolate cake at the end of the table. He's going to have a rough time eating that spinach when his eyes are on the cake. And if the Lord had explained everything to us about what, what's, what's ours to come, I think we'd have a rough time with our spinach down here. Now, I don't know if you're a, a fan of various sports. Maybe you are. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, some of you have enjoyed a, a, an athletic performance from time to time. Uh, but I, I'm a Broncos fan, and, and I, I enjoy watching a Broncos game. But I, I'm not a big fan of watching three hours of football when there's only 60 minutes of game time that's actually being played. And those of you, you may be nodding your head right now, you know what I'm talking about. you got a three-hour schedule plus, most of it's commercials and talking. So I, I may be different than many sports fans. I, I DVR the game. I don't just, you know, go to the beginning to view it and just let it play through. Rather, I look to the climax of the game to discover who won before I spend my time watching the game. I, I don't necessarily want to know the score. I just want to know if my team won or lost. Because if my team lost, then I, why am I going to sit there and watch the whole game? Why waste all of that precious time just watching my home team lose? Uh, In fact, I'll just delete the game. But if my team won, then I will play the whole game back from the beginning, get out my snacks, and watch it play on. And some people think that this is not as much fun to do. To the contrary, I I think it's a a lot of fun. 
And no matter how bad things may look for my team, if I know that they're going to win, it makes it all that much more fun for me to watch. I don't have to worry about how it's going to play out because I know how the game ends. I know that my team won. And if you've placed your faith in Christ, you know the final score. Because the book of Revelation tells us that in the end, we win. No matter how bad things look, you know you have a glorious destination and a future through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I think that's what's often holding us back, is that we get so caught up in the everydayness that maybe we're reminiscing about the past far too much, about the glory days, and we're not living in the fullness of the moment to the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes in church on Sundays, and in fact, I'd love to encourage you right now, if you're looking for a place to fellowship, please check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Again, Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday. And we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 right now. And what we're doing is we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes is looking at the path of wisdom and seeing how a life is lived in service to God. That when you really put things in proper perspective of where your desires lie as opposed to the desires of Almighty God, and they are often in opposition of one another, are we really laying up treasures in heaven or are we laying up treasures on earth? Is our heart really in what we're accomplishing in our hobbies and in various outlets of our time and energy and monies? Or really, are we laying up treasures in heaven? Are, are we embracing the inconveniences? Are we are the inconveniences as we define them, but as opportunities to do eternal work that God defines it? You know, that flat tire you may have gotten on the side of the road today that was an inconvenience to you that God may have used to orchestrate a ripple effect through time of the very next person that you came encounter with that you were able to share a smile with despite the adversity, someone you were able to bless with, with the truth, the hope that is in you, able to give an answer for it at all times as we're instructed to do, that there are many opportunities around us each and every day, every moment of every day to give glory to God. Let's not wait for the new kingdom to do that. Let's do it now. Let's be a people of praise and worship right now. And and if God is grooming you in the now, which I know he is, for your service during the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, let's take it a little more serious. Let's put it to action right now. Let's act like a royal priesthood right now. We're told that we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That means you represent Jesus Christ. Do your words reflect that? Is your posture one of grace, filled with love, filled with truth? Are you standing on a firm foundation of truth? Do you know what you really believe? If you don't know the answers to these questions, if you can't definitively, wholeheartedly say yes, then I want to encourage you to come and check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. We are almost finished with this study of the book of Revelation. We just have one more chapter to go. And it's still very encouraging, yet filled with warning that we are to be a people that God finds in service. Producing fruit for his kingdom is not an option. It's something that he expects us to do. It's like breathing, that we are producing fruit for his glory and not ours. And so I want to encourage you to come and check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Get involved with a group of believers who love going deep into God's Word. I know you'll be blessed. I know you'll be encouraged. And you can ask all the questions that maybe God is bringing to your mind as we've gone through this study of Revelation. I'd be happy to sit down with you and answer those, talk with you through this 
and go deeper in God's Word together with you. So come and check us out at calvaryfountain.com. The ministry is Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friend.